Harlow Giles Unger is an American author, historian, and journalist. He has written close to 30 books, 10 of those about America's founders. Mr. Unger is an undergraduate of Yale and got his master's degree at Cal State University. This year he turned 89, is still active, and we talked about his book by common sense author Thomas Paine during our conversation. Harlow Giles Unger, tell us about Thomas Paine. Who was he? Thomas Paine was certainly one of the most interesting figures in America, even in the history of the Western world at the time of the American and French revolutions. He was a real, really a nobody. He came out of a small town called Thetford, England, uh, about 75 miles north of London, and grew up a Quaker. Uh, the problem with his Quaker meeting house is they would sit all day uh, in silence, awaiting a word from God. And the only words they heard were the screams of people at the whipping post and the cries of for water uh, at the stocks. So he began to doubt the existence of God, and certainly he did he denied the existence of, of any uh, religious basis for the for the uh, Quaker religion, and soon he denied the, the need for the existence for all religions, calling them all bases of mythology. Uh, founded at the age of mythology, the end of the first ages of mythology, after Greek mythology had died out and Roman mythology had died out. Now came uh, the Judeo-Christian mythologies uh, of Moses and then Christ and God himself. Uh, so uh, those, are, those are the origins of his thinking at that time. And it was at the time of revolution, so he denied the existence of any divine right of kings, which absolutely flew in the face of uh, the uh, British uh, royalty, French royalty, of all the Western the royalties of the Western world. And, of course, he, it played right into the hands of leaders of the revolutions in England, in uh, the United States first, and then in France. Your book has a chronology in front that says he was born in 1737. When did he come to the United States and why? He came to the United States because he was broke, <laughs> as were many uh, people who came to the United States at that time. Uh, he had uh, gone from pillar to post, uh, working as a first for his father as a... Uh, a stay maker making the the, the stays that made cor women's corsets stiff and uh, so that when they were tied around the women's bellies it gave them a wasp-like uh, figure and presumably made them more handsome uh, to the men uh, he quit stay making visited london and grew excited by uh, the knowledge that was available at, at, in London. There was a, a 
group called the Royal Society that had been founded uh, a century uh, earlier, to which hosted lectures by uh, scholars of the day. And he went there. It was free of charge. He went there religiously and just absorbed all, absorbed engineering, absorbed astronomy, absorbed history, uh, history of art, every imaginable study. It was, he, 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 he absorbed the equivalent of what we would call a university education, which was not unusual in that day. Many, many uh, scholarly men without formal educations uh, became what were called autodidacts. George Washington was an autodidact, and of course Benjamin Franklin was the most famous of the autodidacts, who became a great scientist. So he now had all his knowledge, but still couldn't get work. He started writing articles. He got a job as an exciseman, that's a customs officer, in a small town called Lewes uh, in Sussex, and he wrote a 21-page petition to Parliament for higher wages for excisemen and was fired. Uh, as it happened, Benjamin Franklin had seen that petition and uh, thought it was a brilliant petition. Uh, just at the time, though, Benjamin Franklin was fired by Parliament as agent for the American states. Uh, the two met, however... And no one quite knows how they met, but they did. And uh, Benjamin Franklin, who uh, enjoyed sponsoring young men and young women, uh, if uh, for different reasons uh, with each gender, uh, he decided to bankroll uh, uh, Thomas Paine's trip to America and give him letters of introduction to prominent people in Philadelphia, uh, including his uh, uh, brother, who was an, uh, a governor of New Jersey, and to various uh, people of, of, of consequence in Philadelphia. Payne left Britain, got to America, uh, went to one of the contacts that Franklin had given him, he was the editor, well, he was the owner of the most prominent bookstore in Philadelphia and had ambitions about starting a magazine. Uh, he needed an editor. He, uh, Payne showed him clips of his articles that he had written, and he was hired. He turned, uh, Payne turned that magazine into a bestseller from just a handful of, of readers to thousands of readers, uh, uh, well, I'm exaggerating, but to 1,500 readers, which at the time was enormous uh, for a, a, a local magazine. Put this in context. Let me interrupt just to ask you this. Put this in context. In the year 1776, he was 39 years old. In January, he writes Common Sense. In July, we have the Declaration of Independence. And in December, he finds himself with George Washington when he crossed the Delaware. How did all that happen? Well, uh, the, the first thing that happened was writing the, the common sense, which showed the idiocy of 
divine right of kings. Why should uh, someone rule an entire people simply because he was born in a certain family? Why should a tiny island govern uh, the people of an entire continent? These are questions that no one could answer and would lead, would lead to being drawn and quartered if you ask, if you ask them in, in uh, England. Uh, how came the king by a power which the people are afraid to trust? Always obliged to check, he, uh, he, he asked. Uh, he, he said such a, such a power would not be the gift of a wise people. So he questioned the entire system of government. And Americans began to wake up. Certainly the literate Americans began to wake up. And in Philadelphia was the largest, most important city in America, and that was where he made his name. So he was very well known for that. And then uh, the Revolutionary War broke out. He volunteered. Uh, he was with uh, uh, Nathaniel Green's uh, forces and began writing uh, little articles to support the revolution. And they, the, the Continental Army suffered terrible defeats. Uh, the British absolutely massacred the Americans in Brooklyn, forced them out of New York, across New Jersey, and they were now uh, just east of Trenton, New Jersey, for the night, and suffering terrible d uh, uh, d defeats day after day after day. And Thomas Paine started writing his first uh, American crisis piece. He showed it to Washington, and Washington thought it was absolutely terrific that it would revive morale. Uh, he sent Paine down to Philadelphia by himself uh, on, on horseback, obviously, to have a printer print copies. Uh, copies of it were then, Paine brought them back to uh, the banks of Delaware, where on the on the night before the Battle of Trenton, the officers were given copies of this first article, and it was read to all the troops, and inspired them as they had never not been uh, inspired before. Uh, these are the times that try men's souls, uh, and. It was it was it was snowing. It was Christmas night, and all that you could hear were the voices of these officers reading Thomas Paine's words. They got in the boats, crossed the Delaware, and uh, with Tom Paine among them, carrying a musket for the first time in his life, he didn't really know what to do with it, but he charged it up. King Street and Trenton alongside all the men, and uh, and they defeated the, the uh, well, it was a Hessian force of mercenaries. They defeated them and proved to, the, to themselves, first of all, and to the world and to the rest of the American people that they could defeat uh, this uh, professional army from abroad and become independent, an independent nation. It turned the tide of, of, 
American morale. Harlow Unger, what book is this book, uh, Thomas Jefferson and the Clarion Call for American Independence, for you? Uh, it was Thomas Paine. I'm sorry, yes. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Thomas Jefferson never, never fired a shot in the <laughs> Revolutionary War, to his discredit, <laughs> after pledging his life, his uh, uh, sacred honor. Uh, the uh, the 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 terrible thing about that Americans have done to Thomas Paine, and indeed the Western world, is to ignore him. He was one of the most uh, important figures in the history, in the Western history, and certainly in the history of the American Revolution. Uh, John Adams uh, said, that, and I'm quoting John Adams now, uh, I know not whether any man in the world has had more influence on its inhabitants or its affairs for the last 30 years than Tom Paine. Uh, these are the times that try men's souls were words that for generations American schoolboys uh, could, could recite. Now no one even knows them. And the reason is because Tom Paine did not stop with the with leading the overthrow of monarchies, uh, he continued by overthrowing every type of mo monarchy, not just uh, uh, living uh, monarchs, but spiritual monarchs. He attacked uh, religion as a form of monarchy. He pointed out that the 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 first kings in the Western world, uh, uh, William the Conqueror, who became the first king of England, uh, William the Conqueror was nothing but a thug. He, he was a thug from France who got on a boat with a bunch of other thugs, and they landed in England to see what they could scavenge. And there were a bunch of fishermen minding their own business, and they brutalized them. And eventually he said, I'm king of England. And to ensure his being king, he combined with churchmen and convinced the church that they could both get rich by by uh, establishing divine right of kings. God sent William to become king of England. Uh, that took hold across Western Europe. It was a good deal for, for both the church and for uh, thugs who wanted to be kings. Uh, so uh, he he wrote a book, his last great book, The Age of Reason, in which he takes, uh, he shows the history of religion as uh, starting with the age of mythology, the, the, first, the Greek mythology uh, with uh, Jupiter and uh, as king of the gods, and then uh, Roman mythology with Zeus as the, as the age of, as the king of the gods, and when the Roman Empire fell, well, in came uh, uh, in, 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 the far e in, in the Middle East, uh, the Jews with Moses getting uh, these uh, commandments from, from God. And uh, then the Romans uh, invented uh, Christ uh, to uh, be the son of God.
uh, and it was just simply a continuation of mythology. And he takes the 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 uh, Bible and the New Testament and shows the origins of each each statement almost uh, in in mythology, uh, and he shows the discrepancies. At the crucifixion of Christ, you've got four apostles uh, uh, witnessing the same event, the crucifixion of Christ, and one of them says, after the crucifixion, there's an earthquake. An earthquake shakes the whole earth, and the other three don't feel a thing. Uh, Payne says that's more than a curiosity. That means... uh, uh, this is pure mythology, let and me, he goes. Pardon? Let me just interrupt. Uh, um, yeah. He he did the the um, age of reason when he was fifty nine, and if I understand from your chronology, he was in Paris at the time. Um, but before I ask you a question from the age of reason, I wanted I asked you earlier, and I was mis uh, misunderstood. I wanted to know what book this book is of yours. How many have you written before the Thomas Paine book? Oh, this is my uh, uh, 27th book. And you live where in the United States? Uh, I live in New York right now. New York City or New York State? New New York City. Are you working on another book, by the way? Uh, Not really. I've I've been down with uh, uh, COVID, and uh, so I've I've just laid everything aside for, for the moment. How's that going? Uh, well, I'm going to see the doctor this afternoon to see if it's, it's I think it's a little bit better. How long have you had I think, it? Uh, about a week. Wow. <clears throat> well, let me keep moving here so that you can have some time uh, to yourself. Um, if you go back to uh, the age of reason, this quote is, and you have quotes in the back from him from all the chapters. Um he says, how was Jesus Christ to make anything known to all nations? He could speak but one language, which was Hebrew, and there are in the world several, several hundred languages. As to the translations, it is impossible to translate from one language to another without losing a great part of the original. And besides all this, printing was wholly unknown at the time of Christ. What kind of uh, an example is that of what he was trying to get across in the Age of Reason? And what was the reaction to religious people? Well, it, it, it's it's the perfect logic of Tom Paine's mind. Uh, there is nothing uh, logical about anything in religion. There's nothing logical about anything in mythology. Uh, as he says, the Testament teaches nothing new. Uh, he 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 points out what is the what what is it the Bible teaches us rapine cruelty and murder <laughs> what is it the Testament teaches us to believe that the Almighty committed debauchery with a woman engaged to be married and the belief of this debauchery is called faith uh, he sought to expel all ideas of revealed religion as dangerous heresy. Uh, None of... of, Nothing in mythology makes sense unless you're willing to believe uh, in 
in fiction. So what was and the reaction uh, on the in when right before we started this podcast, uh, we were talking about the fact that that um, um, he's not well known in the United States. Thomas Paine, as you say, had a big influence with Common Sense and the other books. Why do we not know more about him? Well, that that was a startling discovery I made. I mean, the most startling discovery I made uh, in researching uh, Thomas Paine. One of the things I always try to do is go back to my own history books uh, as a youngster. Uh, history books for youngsters tend to simplify everything uh, and give you a broad outline of history. And I went back to uh, my history book at a prestigious uh, secondary school in Connecticut and looked for Thomas Paine, not a word about him. Not a word about Thomas Paine. Nothing about these are the times that try men's souls. Uh, I went to uh, my son's school and, and a, at a fine secondary school in Westchester County, New York, and looked at, at the history books there. Nothing in those history books. Uh, at best, they, they'll say uh, that... He wrote common sense. There'll be he's dismissed with one or two sentences, and because textbooks usually are subject to uh, uh, examination by church authorities to make sure that they won't offend any churches, uh, I think that the churches have combined uh, to keep his name or and ke- certainly keep uh, his his. Uh, uh, age of reason, anything to do with the age of reason, out of uh, the textbooks that go to young people in America. Go back it, to it, um, the beginning of his time here in the United States. Is there any way to describe how big an impact Common Sense had and how many copies it sold? It's fairly difficult because of the times. Most people were illiterate. And most pamphlets or magazines or newspapers, uh, the printer would, uh, they, were, they were owned by, they were published by printers. The printer would put uh, a page, the pages of an article in the window, and passersby could then see it. Usually a crowd would, would uh, surround the, the, the window of the shop and wait for someone who could read to begin reading it out loud. So you'd have one person reading and a crowd standing around him. Uh, The influence, though, of of common sense was quite uh, enormous. According according to uh, the diary entries of people like John Adams um, and... uh, uh, Benjamin Rush, who is a famous physician in Philadelphia, uh, it, it, it was immediate because no one had questioned the divine right of kings. No one had questioned the idea that that God had placed these men on earth to rule uh, Americans. You say in your book that he was, he said he was a deist. How does that... Uh 
how does that uh, track with uh, his book on the age of reason? Well, I think uh, I, I think there are probably a number of definitions of deist, although not literal definitions. No, the, the the word is uh, the etymology of the word is clear, but uh, he was unable to explain. Or, and and he tried all his life uh, the anything to do with the origins of uh, the earth uh, he had actually he dismissed the idea of a first cause that there was some event that uh, that God created the, the the earth God created light and God created this and God that he dismissed there was no first cause but he couldn't go beyond that. He, he obviously didn't have the, the knowledge or uh, the instruments or anything else to do so. So he settled on the existence, uh, which was a common, uh, a common uh, theory in those days. Uh, Freemasonry was a very, very popular uh, uh, brotherhood in those days, uh, and they two believed in the, uh, the existence of a higher power, for lack of any other description, a higher power uh, that had to do with the origins of uh, the Earth and solar system and uh, the, the universe. Uh, uh, and that's why Thomas Paine was so popular among, among the Freemasons. George Washington embraced him. Uh, Thomas Jefferson embraced him, Benjamin Franklin. They were all Freemasons and uh, believed as he. Uh, they believed that uh, everything else was nonsense. Uh, George Washington made a show of going to church because he didn't want to, and only occasionally, because he didn't want to alienate uh, the uh, religious uh, people that he knew, he, whose backing he, he knew he needed. Uh, but... Uh, uh, he he was a confirmed uh, Freemason. What kind of reaction did you get out of this book? Uh, not much. Uh, uh, the the interesting thing about most books about Thomas Paine, except for the fictional one, years and years ago, uh, called Citizen Tom Paine, which is more about the French Revolution. Uh, People are, uh, newspapers, everything, they're afraid to deal with this topic. It's a, it's a very dicey topic that, in, in effect, insults millions of people. Well, you point out in the book that he was in the United States and back to London and in Paris during the Revolution, thrown in prison and all that, and then eventually comes back to the United States where he dies. But... In the middle of your book, you explain that he had a falling out with George Washington. Yeah, uh, that, that, that's a. I mean, the explanation is obvious, but it seems to be, for some reason or other, difficult to make to make people understand. Uh, I've had comments about that on, on Facebook, and uh, it's very difficult to get people to understand that mail. <laughs> you didn't sit down and write a letter. And it would, it would get in the hands of a mailman who would put it on a boat and it would sail across the, the seas and get in the hands of someone else. 
Mail was delivered by hand. You had to give it to a friend who was bound for Europe, and maybe two months later it might get into the hands of someone uh, to whom it was addressed. Uh, Tom, Tom Paine was put in jail in London, in, in Paris, and he tried writing. Uh, he, he expected that uh, his simple notoriety, that George Washington would hear of it. George Washington was busy trying to put together a government in America. He hadn't heard a thing from Tom Paine either. He assumed that Tom Paine was busy putting together a revolution in France. So he dismissed uh, uh, the fact that Tom Paine hadn't written to him. Tom Paine, meanwhile, lands in prison and starts writing and thinks that by giving the letter to the jailer, the letter is going to be given to someone, and it's going to be given to someone else and someone else, and it's eventually going to get to Washington, and it never did. None of his letters ever reached Washington. Uh, Washington would have reacted immediately had he known. He knew nothing about it. And later on, during the imprisonment, when James Monroe uh, who thought the world of Tom Paine comes over as the first American ambassador to the uh, to the Re- French Revolutionary government and is celebrated by the National Assembly. He doesn't even know Tom Paine is is in is in uh, Paris. Uh, actually, the letters that Tom Paine wrote were. Uh, a few of them got into the hands of Governor Morris, who was then the uh, American ambassador to the revolutionary government, and hated Tom Paine, and threw those letters out, tore them up, never, never, never sent them anywhere. And and that's a whole other story as to why that happened. But Tom uh, James Monroe heard from some friends of Paine in Paris that Paine was in in prison. And he took, uh, it was after about two months after he landed there, and he took immediate steps to get uh, Payne uh, released from prison, and indeed uh, brought Payne to uh, to the uh, ambassadorial residence and helped him get get well. Uh, and he and his wife treated Payne like an honored guest. Uh, and and helped him get healthy again. So this story of now now unfortunately Tom Paine's mind was then made up that Washington had ignored him and that their friendship was over and that is just unfortunate. You point but, out that he died in 1809. He was 72 years old. You tell us a story about him dying up in New Rochelle. New York, uh, his body being buried there and then having someone 10 years later dig up the bones and take them to Great Britain and they've never found them. Uh, yeah, well, that's the amazing thing. What's, God knows who it was. Uh, they do know it was, it was a, 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 a Brit of some makeup. They don't know why. Was it political? Was it religious? They have no idea uh, what the reason for that was. Do you think there'd ever be a statue of Tom Paine anywhere in Washington as a lot of other famous 
early Americans uh, have no. their statues, and why not? No, no, I don't think so. Uh, we're lucky we're still able to write books about him. What <laughs> What do you think you would have thought of him if you had had known him personally? Well, I grew up in a, uh, a family of scientists, so I think I I would have agreed with everything he said. Uh, I'm not much of a believer in mythology. And and is that one of the reasons you wrote the book in the first place? No, I I have been writing books about uh, men whom, uh, uh, whom uh, as a group, I call the founding fathers. Uh, they're, they're not all really founding fathers, but uh, uh, they're the, the people that I think have been most influential in establishing the principles of uh, the United States of America as I grew up knowing them. Um, I see the list of Lafayette, Patrick Henry, John Quincy Adams, James Monroe, John Marshall, Richard Henry Lee, and Dr. Benjamin Rush. Are there others you want to mention? Well, I think uh, uh, Robert Morris certainly fits in there. Uh, and, uh, and, and of course, uh, uh, s- several of people that... Uh, that uh, David McCullough has written about uh, uh, John Adams, of course, and and uh, well, let me. Um, we're at the end of our, our our chat. Let me just tell the audience, our listeners, that the book is called Thomas Paine and the Clarion Call for American Independence. Our guest has been Harlow Giles Unger, and before we leave, um, we'll wish you the best of recovery on COVID. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I, I think I'll probably be all right. I've been in, in very good shape, so there's no reason that I shouldn't recover. Thank you, Mr. Unger. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcasts at c-span.org.